Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. The lead singer Korn was calling them irresponsible. Korn was calling them irresponsible. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1997. <laughs> Our sister Jenny born in 1974. I don't know. You're not going to correct me that I wasn't born in 1997? I mean, you act like it sometimes. Yeah, whatever. Jenny, I have to say, just real quick... I went back, so as you guys know, if you're a patron, I've been uploading the Patreon episodes to ACAST, so you've been seeing them appear in your feeds again. And I listened to Schoolboy Father this morning, and I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> that that after-school special starring Rob Lowe is pure gold. I mean, he had a kid named Wolf Elderberry. <laughs> and at the end, you're going, I wonder if when that kid grows up, he'll ever remember this chapter of his life when he was Wolf Elderberry. When he was Wolf Elderberry. <laughs> All right, Jenny. So we are jumping on the bandwagon here. We are bandwagoning because everyone is talking about this documentary that dropped on Netflix. We are looking at Trainwreck. Woodstock 99. Do you have a description? The best description I have is it's a docu-series that shows how how chaos can quickly reign when a festival catering to a quarter of a million people isn't properly designed. Uh, you think? <laughs> I think it gets into more than, than that, but that's what I have. So Jenny, let me ask you first before we start. Did you remember Woodstock 99? What are your memories of this? I totally don't remember this. Were you there in that pit? No, I was in. I lived in Georgia at the time and probably would not have had the money to come back up to New York State. I did want to go to the 94 Woodstock. That I remember clearly because all my friends went, my roommate went, and I was in my friend's wedding that day. Mm. One of my friends got married that day and I couldn't yeah. go and I was real, real mad. Well, that didn't that look was great 94. either. Yeah, and that didn't look great either. I mean, that no one like died i don't think but the big thing there was the mud it like rained yeah. the whole time and it was totally gross mm-hmm. yeah. um i was in 99 i was graduating college and you know how lame i was as a teenager yeah, like you were 
I would not have been into. I didn't even know who corn was. Oh my god, <laughs> like we loved it corn. Up. We loved corn. We loved Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine. Loved all those bands. I relied heavily on Timmy to tell me whether or not the lead singer from Corn was a douchebag. Turns out he's not. He's not. No. Fred Durst kind of is. Total douchebag. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. If I get the douchebaggery wrong, Jenny, just correct me. Kid Rock is a douchebag. Of course he is. Now, when you now when you put is. Willie Nelson out there, James Brown, I'm all into it. Well, but that's what I mean. They had like Jewel. They had Cheryl Crow. Like the, we'll, this we'll thing was all there. over the place. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So some of the main characters we meet are David Blaustein. He's a journalist, and he's sort of like the host. Like we hear from him the most. Yeah. And he was a young reporter on the ground. He was with ABC News. And I hope I'm saying his name right. It's spelled B-L-A-U-S-T-E-I-N. So Blaustein, I think it is. Um, we have Amanda Lewis, who's one of the MTV presenters. Michael Lang, oh, the original dude. Woodstock co-creator. Oh, God. I met Michael Lang. I have a lot of thoughts about this. He's part of the Woodstock crowd. So um, I've been involved in their... Like book festival for the last couple of years. She, and she won't be anymore. <laughs> no, 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 no. The 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 writing community in Woodstock has been very good to me, and I appreciate that. Um, but they do tend to like get these figures up there that they kind of worship and still kind of live in their heyday. And Michael Lang is absolutely one of them. Yep. Uh, John Shear. The concert promoter, the to- the the villain of the show, like uh, Darth Vader. I'm just gonna I call mean, him Darth Vader. It's kind of like the Emperor Darth Vader, him and Michael Lang. Like, come on. <laughs> so you think Michael Lang is Darth Vader? I think they're both to blame for this tremendously. You're jumping ahead. We'll get there. Jeff Rowland, who seems <laughs> so John Share is the concert promoter for Metropolitan Entertainment. Jeff Rowland, I wrote, is he maybe the only sane person at Metropolitan Entertainment? He was like, was was like, he the kid? He was a kid at the time? No, no, no. He was he was just the the other promoter who was like, this was a fucking disaster from the get go. No one wanted to do it. Right. No one wanted to do it. Then we have a production crew, Colin and Lee, who were kids at the time. So they they figure heavily into this. They were like in their 20s. Yeah. They're probably our age. Yep. And yeah. then we have Pilar Law, who was Michael Lang's assistant, and we have her amazing mother, who we will get to. Yes. Yes. Then we have Security Kyle, who I don't know if he was a real security guy or no, whatever. Then we have some of the concert goers. We have Keith and Tom, two total douchebags. Oh my gosh. I wrote Keith is wow and Tom is wow. So Keith speaks most of the time, and I just call him mullet because he is still rocking a mullet. Yeah, he's got that mullet mm-hmm. going. Sarah, who is someone from a strict Christian home. Heather, who was 14. Oh, my God. And went. And then I put Scott a bro. We don't really hear much from him. Okay. So let's get into this. It's July 26, 1999, the day after the festival. And we have raw footage from Pilar and her mom. Pilar had brought her video camera along. She documented everything. And she and her mom are driving around. And at one point, one of them says, it looks like Beirut. Do you remember that reference? Yeah. That's such a Gen X reference, right? Because when we grew up, that's what we saw on TV. Beirut. Well, I mean, I don't know when you want me to get into this, but I cannot believe 
people were these people, the promoters were surprised that Gen X Woodstock got angry. I like, know. I know. Like I know. Grunge was such a different counterculture than the 60s counterculture. Yeah. Like they were fighting for peace. Like it, oh God. Like I know. it's just such a different time. And they were completely ignorant to that. Completely 100% ignorant to that. Oh, no, Jen. Um, Michael Lang sort of is like, oh, maybe it was a different. We'll get into it. So we start with the remembrance of the original Woodstock, which was organized by Michael Lang and two co-creators. So Lang, here's, put a pin in this too. Lang was 25 when he organized Woodstock. Okay. There's a difference between being 55 or 60 yeah. and organizing it. Mm-hmm. He talks about wanting to create Woodstock 99 as a cultural response to Columbine and gun violence. Now, I had no idea that was the impetus for this. Well, and this is not your... Your, it is not your social movement to pick. To make, exactly. Like, you can't fabricate that and then sell tickets to it. And a good example of that is March for Our Lives. Yes, that was something that organically grew as a yes. response to that. But it, like By the kids, for the kids. Columbine was, like, the first one of our generation, though. Like that. Well, like, it was the first televised one. That yeah, like, it's the first known. one that was in yeah. our zeitgeist, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I know there's there was many more before since, like, the 60s or some shit. But, yeah. like, we didn't... Like, that kind of started, I feel like, the modern era of it. We were... In 99, kids were more angry at consumerism, yeah. corporate yep. America, 100%. than they were about gun violence. Yep. Okay. But this guy doesn't even see that. No. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't understand that the social issues that kids are mad about are different than the ones he was mad about. Like, yes. he just thinks they should just do what they did. Like, Woodstock's the the example for this, and they should just do the same thing. Like, it's a completely different fucking world, dude. So the plan was 40 bands, three days, 250,000 people. Okay. What could go wrong? So we see them coming in. We see the kids coming in. And this is another thing. I don't know who this concert is marketed to. I know. Because it's all Wood, over the place. Woodstock 69, I feel like they they were 20-somethings. Mm-hmm. But I feel like these guys are kids. Like they're no, 17, I mean, 18, 19. That's oh, different, sh- I feel no, like. No, they were at Woodstock too, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure they were. But I just yeah. feel like they kept calling them kids, which was weird to me. Like... It felt like I worked in higher ed for a long time. And when we would talk about the kids coming back to school and what we could do, what activities we could create for the kids, that's what it reminded me of. Adults planning activities for kids. Yeah. It was weird. Okay. So we see them coming in and I immediately noticed this red flag. They're taking all of their stuff off them. They're taking all their water and all their food. So you can't bring anything into this concert venue. Well, first of all, the location they picked. Yes. So then we learned the site was an abandoned airbase in Rome, New York. There were literally hangars and a ton of asphalt. (laughs) Whose fucking idea was this? And also, I can't think of like a better place for Gen X Woodstock than a military industrial complex. Well, it it sums up the whole fucking thing. Yeah, Colin says that. He's like, here you have a military industrial complex and you have Woodstock? Yeah, it's just so fucking weird, man. We found flashback. We go to Lang and he says, you need a few things for a successful venue like or for a successful concert like this. A powerful partner, tens of millions of dollars and a facility that could house that kind of event. And at the time, 
John Cheer, a.k.a. Darth Vader, was one of the biggest concert promoters. He was feisty, tough, and he was the right kind of partner. Now, reading between the lines, he was the one who would be the douchebag, the public douchebag. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. he also, like, he, he ran... I mean, all of his stuff that they were talking about that he had done was like the dead, the who, like it was from another time. Yes. Like he hadn't handled any new rock or any of this crazy like industrial shit. Well, and I think we saw pretty quickly that when something went wrong, Michael Lang was able to hide behind him. Yeah, totally. Because he would be the, he would do the dirty work. But also like, I don't think John Cher knows what a mosh pit is. Yeah, no. So Roland, an exec under John, said under Darth Vader, said he burst out laughing when Darth Vader brought the idea to them. He's like, we remembered the failures of 94. Yeah. It rained the entire time. The fence came down and half the audience got in for free. So they made no money. Then came 99. And this is like, I bolded this sentence because this sums it up. We absolutely had to make a profit. Oh, God. Now, I just want to come in with some hard facts about Woodstock 69, because it's not what I don't think it's what people think. So this is from BBC.com, and it was um, on the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, which was 2019. First of all, the ticket prices were high. Advanced tickets were $18, which would be $125 in 2019 Mm. money. Okay. Then they were, so those were advanced tickets, if you could get them. At the door, they were going to charge $24. But the problem was the fencing and the ticket boots weren't finished in time. So the crowd ended up being a lot larger than the 186,000 who bought advanced tickets. And most of them got in for free because they just walked in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it left the promoters, one of who is Michael Lang, in $1.4 million worth of debt. So they made no money. They lost money. Wasn't everybody able to bring their own food and water and stuff in? Here. The crowd of 400,000 people required gargantuan amounts of food, but Woodstock was so big, the traditional stadium characters weren't prepared to support it. So they didn't want to put, they didn't want to put in the investment capital necessary to supply such a huge food amount, on-site kitchens and personnel plus transport. Okay. So in the end, three entrepreneurs banded together to create food for love and things did not go well. By all accounts, they were woefully underprepared from the for the size of the crowd and concession stands were not even finished. Worst to come was as supplies of food dwindled, the food for love team decided to gouge their prices from 25 cents a burger to a dollar. The hungry hordes were not happy and two of the concession stands were burned to the ground. <laughs> that was at Woodstock 69? That was at Woodstock 69. <laughs> And do you know they paid that farmer? Because you guys know the story. They wanted to have it in Woodstock at some place and they couldn't. I don't know what happened, but they ended up having it at this Bethel. guy's farm yeah. in Bethel. He charged them $75,000, which would be equivalent to $350,000 right now. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, so bottom line is like Woodstock 69 had issues too. Okay. And but, one of those issues is it left those guys deeply in debt. So they yeah. wanted to make They money. didn't want to get burned on this. Mm-mm. But I feel like they also allowed you to bring your own food to Woodstock 69. Probably. I mean, yeah. most people got in for free, so they weren't even yeah. going through security. And don't forget, the only reason they were going through security in 99 was for gun violence. Mm-hmm. And to take okay. their food so that they had to buy mm-hmm. $4 waters. 
So they find this 350-acre decommissioned Air Force Base. And Rollin explains that the Air Force Base had roads, buildings, a hospital, and like it had good infrastructure that they could easily use. And then we see Darth Vader going, I think everyone was excited. And Rollin's like, everybody said no fucking way. This is a terrible idea. But Darth Vader stepped in as the CEO and overruled the entire board. Oh, God. And said, we're doing this. So now we see some press conferences and this poor mayor who reminded me of Bob Saget, like he was just a victim in all of this. He was like Danny Tanner. He was like, I thought this would be great for our community, especially after the base closed. And I just wrote, I'm exonerating this mayor. He is not at fault. This guy has no idea who Corn is. And he's not at fault. No, he's not. No. So now Darth Vader says... We booked some of the biggest acts in the world. Corn, Limp Biscuit, Hole, Alanis Morissette, Red Hot Chili Pepper, Cheryl Crow. So, you know, I mean, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but this was going to be historical. Oh, God. Okay, let's just talk, Jenny, for one second about the dis- like the the gap between these types of music. I mean, massive. You go from James Brown to Cheryl Crow to Jewel to Limp Biscuit to Rage Against the Machine. To Willie Nelson. The Willie Nelson, it's all over the map. Like, what is happening here? Like, I was fear, I was afraid for Jewel when she went on too. after like Limp Biscuit or some shit. I was like, oh no, uh, Jewel was afraid for Jewel. Yeah. Now the best was we'll get to it, but Gavin Rossdale having oh, to go on Bush. after Corn. He was like, <laughs> mm. I love him. <laughs> so um, we see the crowds, and Jenny, let me just tell you, they are all young white bros. Yep. I mean, there's yeah. there's women in the crowd, but they are for the most part, yeah, the, yeah well, young I mean, if, white men. If the headliners are corn and limp biscuit, like this is what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. They start with James Brown, who would not go on stage without all of his money up front. <laughs> and Timmy and I were talking about that, and Timmy was like, "That is like his response as a person of color, yeah, never getting paid, getting paid and always shit. getting ripped off." Yep. So yeah. that was a policy that James Brown had his whole musical career. I want my money up front. Yeah, I don't blame him. So Especially with find... this fucking dude. Yeah, so Darth Vader tells him, fuck off. Tells James Brown, fuck off. And so James Brown does the right thing and gets out there and plays. Yeah. I mean, whatever. So now we see the beer garden. Question. Yeah. Are they carting people in the beer garden? What do you think? <laughs> of course they're not. Jenny, these kids are piss-ass drunk at like 10 a.m. Oh, man. Yeah. And don't forget, it's like 100 degrees. They're doing, what is it called? Funneling? Funnels? Oh, God. The funnels. That was so bad. This episode is going to make me sound like 107. (laughs) It was so bad. That was the dumbest thing. Like, if you wanted to die from alcohol poisoning, that was a good way to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Jen, you know who's really excited? Mullet. I also had Tibetan monks at this show. Do you remember <laughs> that was such a thing? That was such, that's a big thing in Woodstock. There's a big center for the monks there up on a mountaintop. So it's a very big presence yeah, in Woodstock. That was a big thing. Mullet tells us, it w- quote, it was pretty free spirit for the drugs. Uh, he looks like, oh my God, he looks like Beavis. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's like, he's like. Live action Beavis. And his bunny looks like the other one. Oh my god, they found live action Beavis and Butter. (laughs) Actually, that sums up quite a bit about this whole thing. Yes, it does. 
Now we meet Colin Spear. He is in the production crew, and he was just a kid at the time, like in his early 20s. He says it was the end of the millennium, and kids were just like, this was going to be extraordinary. And Lee, the our other hero here, says he feels like it was a dream come true, and they were working on what felt like an unlimited budget with the top people in their field. So then we see Pilar Law. She was Michael Lang's assistant, and her mom is the goddamn hero. She's hilarious. The the mother. She was really a part of the original Woodstock. And like, so this is very sacred to her. Pilar tells us like she just loved Michael. He was only so he was always so calm. Okay. So now we see some footage. And they're driving around the site, and Pilar's like, uh, this is a lot of asphalt. And Colin is like, you know, the symbol of the military industrial complex. We're hosting Woodstock here. Like, this does not make sense. But what they liked about it, Jen, is that there was an eight-foot wall around the outside. God forbid somebody get in for free. Because in 69 and 94, those were problems. People Mm -hmm. getting in for free. So now we see people coming in to pitch the Woodstock committee all this commercial shit. And then we see design. So we see them, like, building Woodstock. Okay, so now of course they're going to subcontract everything. Yes, of course. So, Jenny, they had an action park there. They had a movie hangar. I mean, they didn't need to build any rides or anything. They already had an action park. If they had asphalt (laughs) and like heat and danger and fires and underage drinking, they already had an action park. It was action park. And they had a rave hangar. Oh, what could go wrong there? So it's day one, and we're starting to see things are not great. And we see this first when we see Cheryl Crow getting on stage. Can we discuss for one second how hot Cheryl Crow is? She is, yeah. Jesus. So Darth Vader's like, we booked her for the softer rock people. What softer rock people? What softer rock people? These are kids, not their parents. Yep. I mean, let me put it this way. I was into Cheryl Crow. I wasn't at Woodstock 99. No, no, her her audience is not there. Okay. Her set is great, but guys start yelling to her, show us your tits. Oh my God, to Sheryl Crow. Mm -hmm. Like, what a bunch of fucking assholes. Mm -hmm. So in between all the documentary footage, we see um, MTV footage. So we see like Kurt Lauder, we see Amanda, and they're like interviewing people. And Kurt Lauder at one point is interviewing Cheryl, and guys are just screaming, show us your tits. And she's getting pissed. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Colin says the Tabisha monks were just trying to do their thing. And these hordes of angry white boys <laughs> were just interrupting our Tabisha monks. Now, there's a lot of blame to go around, but Blaustein's the first one who comes out and is like, well, American Pie was the top movie, and also uh, Fight Club was out, and that was really violent. This is not Chuck Palahniuk's fault. Right, so they're trying to blame, because nothing has happened yet, but it's got, like, a certain energy to it that they're worried about. Yeah. And they're trying to blame, like, like of course, like, culture. popular culture, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, everything's sex and violence, and that's why these kids are mad. Yeah. It's like, so they're now, not even that mad. They're not mad yet. They're not like, mad yet. They're just, yet. like, normal. <laughs> they're just normal, like, you know, angry Angsty rock teens. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jen, now the heat kicks in. (laughs) And there, (laughs) I would be irate. I'd be lighting shit on fire. It's 100 degrees. And they're on asphalt. 
There were some water fountains, but there was like a $25 or 25 minute wait. And then bottles of water were four dollars in nineteen ninety nine. That's a lot now. now. That's a lot now. It's probably double now. Yeah, it's got to be at least. So people were pissed, and they're baking. So now we get um, a flashback to three months before the festival, and Darth Vader and Michael are upset because turns out they might not make as big a profit as they were thinking they would. So they start cutting some budgets, and Colin and Lee are like. This is not good. And because this is when they end up subcontracting everything. Well, I think they were already subcontracting, but they cut the budgets. And they so they went with like the cheapest, crappiest mm-hmm. subcontractors. And they also signed contracts where they had no control over what the contractors were doing. Yeah. Yep. So basically they said, you handle food, you handle security, you handle water or san- sanitation. And they mm-hmm. had no control over it. No control. And they hired the cheapest, shittiest contractors on earth. So wait, I looked up I looked up the water. Oh yeah. And it would be it's a dollar seventy eight for a dollar then. So yeah, like seven dollars. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Fucking outrageous. It's a hundred degrees and a little bottle of water is seven dollars. And they already paid a hundred and fifty dollars for to get tickets. in and they're gonna be there for three days. So you know mm-hmm. these kids are not gonna be eating or drinking like no. like they should be. They're just all going to have alcohol poisoning. It's going to be like Jenny's junior year of high school. And they're going to be dehydrated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's this pay-per-view guy there. And he's like, we were doing pay-per-view. We were charging 60 bucks for the whole package. And he's like, I had no rules and no limits. So I just put the wildest shit on TV. I want to know if that pay-per-view is somewhere still. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? So now Friday, 9 p.m., corn gets on stage. And everybody's like, this is who we came for. We yep. came for corn. Yep. So Lee tells us all the older dudes here who were putting this together had no idea no of idea. the kind of music that they were bringing in. No they idea. were bringing in heavy metal, you know, aggression Rage Against rock. the Machine. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? Yes. I loved fucking Rage Against the Machines. Nine Inch Nails. Like, that shit had to go off the hook for sure. He's like, I was 22 and I was trying to warn him and they basically looked at me like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, and the classic boomer, they ignore it. They're like, you don't understand the lineup you're putting together. No. And they're like, fuck you, kid. You don't get it, kid. Michael tells us Darth Vader booked all the bands. Darth Vader tells us Michael agreed to everything. I love how they're all turning on each other. Yep. So fucking yep. great. Kyle from security tells us the crowd went to Banana Town. Banana Town. <laughs> Banana Town. <laughs> I mean, a corn mosh pit in a regular club when it's a corn cover band is nuts. And like, Lee- let alone with 250,000 people. Jen, you know who loved the corn show? Mullet. Beavis and Butt. Beavis and Butt. <laughs> so the lead singer of corn, Jonathan Davis, is like, until you see this crowd of 250,000 people for yourself, like, there's nothing like it in the fucking world. It's wild. And the promoter, Beavis and Butthead are like, all we had in our head was just don't fall down. Like, I remember these days of like, oh, yes. don't fall down because you're dead. Yep. If you fall down, I'm off, but you're dead. Yeah, that's what happened. What was that concert? Oh, here we go. In 1968, there was a concert where people were trampled to death. Yeah, but that wasn't a mosh pit related incident. They were just trampled. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So, so corn goes out there. And they fucking rock it. Like, he puts on the show of his life. Well, and let me say, that is Korn's job. Yes. 
is yes. to go out there and put on a high energy fucking show. Yes. That is what they're paid to do. Not yep. to calm a fucking audience down. Nope. So next, uh, Bush is Bush is next, <laughs> which is quite the quite Let the me change. Say, Gavin looks good. He still looks good. He, he still really looks does. Good. Yep. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So Davis is like, I felt so bad for Bush to have to go on after (laughs) us because our shit was crazy. Well, and when they show Bush, like, they're kids. I know. They're kids. I have a question, though. Why would you, why would corn not close out night one? I don't know. Why put Bush on, not put Bush on Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on their time. Like, they probably want corn in, like, the prime slot. I guess. I don't know why. And they probably don't want to, like, just end it at that time. Because then these kids are just wandering around doing nothing. That's true. So, Gavin Rossdale's like, it was fucking terrifying. (laughs) Like, going out after them. Yeah. And everyone is shirtless and everyone is naked because it's so hot. It's so hot. And Dark Vader says, you know, I really appreciate Gavin. I feel like he understood the folklore of Woodstock and he brought it back. No, he was just singing He Bush, was just singing Which was songs. a different vibe. Right. right. Like, Corn was never going to do that, nor should they. That's not what they do. Agree. Agree. Okay, now we move on to episode two, day two. Well, wait, so now- can we discuss that after the show's? There's a 60,000 person rave. That's what we're getting to. <laughs> so we open with the rave hanger. And we meet, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. We meet AJ, who is the rave master. Okay. 
Now, Colin is turning 29, so they all go to the rave. They get fucked up. AJ's like, this was out of control. Everybody was naked. Everybody was on drugs. Colin, still fucked up from his ecstasy, walks out onto the grounds the next morning. So Saturday morning, he heads out to survey what has happened. And there is a ton of trash. Yep. And the porta potties are just trash. Yeah. The infrastructure is starting to break down because no one's mm-hmm. maintaining it. Mm-hmm. Kyle from security tells us there was just this huge layer of trash. Garbage cans were scarce. And if you saw them, they were just overflowing. And the sanitation had been subbed out and the budget cut. Yep. Okay. Now, Pilar's cute mom goes out into the festival. (laughs) She wakes up and sees all this trash and she's like, this can't be. So she gets a bunch of garbage bags and goes out and drives around, starts handing them out to kids. To clean up their areas. Well, and the kids are like, fuck off. I paid mm-hmm. $150 to get in here and like, you know, a million dollars a day to eat. Fuck you. Which I get why they're mad. I get why they're mad too. And But so, she's at least trying and she says something really important, I think. She's like, we didn't take care of these kids. Yes, but she says that now. Yeah. So the, the footage of her then, she's saying to the camera, I don't know. Maybe these kids don't get enough love at home. And then behind her, there's a bunch of bros destroying some art. And she's screaming, that's art! Put it back! So, now, can we discuss how Wyclef Jean played Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner? Yeah, so really can we cool. discuss that he yelled, go ahead, start throwing your plastic bottles? Yeah. Can we discuss that the culture around plastic has changed so much that I was thinking, oh my god, all this plastic all over the place, yeah. what's going to happen to we it? We didn't even notice it then. Mm-mm. Nope. Can I discuss that this is like a, this is a quote, this start, is this starting to remind me of like when there's a blackout in New York City? Yeah. Like when, when the infrastructure starts to break down, like you don't have electricity, you have X amount of time. Yes. And that could be two days. It could be one day. You're really not sure where shit's just going to start to go sideways. And I feel like this is the beginning, like day two that starts to happen. Well, Amanda says that in the beginning. She's like, Saturday was supposed to be the greatest day. You had Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, uh, Fat Boy Slim. But she's like, Saturday, we remember it differently because that was the day it started to fall apart. Yeah, because don't forget, there's also no shade. No shade. Yeah. Nope. So Lee tells us that um, Michael Lang and Darth Vader were not paying attention, like, at all. And they show this interview that they had with MTV where they're like, this is going fantastic. They're so fucking delusional. Everything is so great. I mean, yeah, there's some isolated incidents, but nobody thought they would be at the Ritz-Carlton. They're fucking delusional boomers. Lee's like, they're oblivious. Yep. So day two, it's like a furnace. It's It's over 100 degrees. Again, guys, they're on 350 acres of tarmac. And there's... They're not, there's not enough water. They're no not shade. drinking enough water. There's no shade. Yeah. Again, it's just alcohol dehydration. It's crazy. Kid Rock comes out. Another thing I wrote is there's a lot of pyrotechnics, which were making me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so Kid Rock comes out. I'm not going to talk about him. I hate that motherfucker. I hate Kid Rock. I hate so him. we meet Joe, a paramedic who I loved. And said he was drenched in his own perspiration. He's like, a ton of people were passing out. On the news, we see a thousand people were treated for heat exhaustion. The crowd is chanting for water and there's no shade. They didn't no even shade. build a, a like a, Nothing. just put up a fucking carport. Nothing. Nothing. 
Darth Vader says, backstage, the atmosphere was great. For, yeah, because they, treat, they treated the musicians well. Where the musicians were. They had chefs and dance parties and giveaway. And I'm sure they had water. Well, and they had air-conditioned trailers with showers yeah. and water. Yes. So now Fatboy Slim comes into it. And he's like, everything was sponsored out of its mind. Yeah. And we even see a clip of Kirk Hammett <laughs> saying... He comes for them. Peace, love, and capitalism? Doesn't make much sense. Okay, so, but as serene as things were backstage, over the wall, shit was oh going God. south. Yeah. People were getting price gouged. It was getting ugly. They start throwing shit at Carson Daly, which I they get They start rebelling against MTV, and I thought that was really interesting. Because really they felt like MTV, like, sold them out, too. Because, well, like, don't this, forget, we were raised, like, I mean, I remember we were raised on MTV. We were, but MTV at this time was very different. Very different. And they, it was, they, t- they take it out on them. They were doing, guys, if you remember, every summer MTV did programming that was very Girls Gone Wild-esque. Yep. Like, it was just, you know, spring break, just, just a nipple, nipple show shy of being oh, on Girls yep. Gone Wild. That's what they were doing. And they were promoting the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and yep. it was very commercial. Yep. It was bad. It was not the MTV we grew up with. No. Okay, so they turn on MTV and, you know, they're just angry. And Amanda says it was getting scary. And you know what? There was not enough security and you felt it. The security is like <laughs> Action Park. Like they describe how they picked security. And it was just like local dudes that were like teenagers and they gave them a t-shirt and no training. Yeah, and they were selling the t-shirts for $400. Yep. So Cody was one of those people, Jen. He was part of the Peace Patrol. Unbelievable. And, you know, Michael Lang is doing a voiceover and he's like, I just didn't want them to have guns. I didn't want it to get out of hand. You know, blah, 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 whatever. Dark Vader says he heard some women were getting pushed around. But, hey, they voluntarily had their tops off. And if you're this in a mosh guy. pit, somebody's going to touch your breast. I mean, this you know. This guy is deplorable. He's, He's disgusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Kyle from security is like, we're getting ready for Limp Biscuit, and oh, we're terrified. Fuck. <laughs> and he's like, more drugs, more alcohol. Like, what's coming now? <laughs> Limp Biscuit takes the stage, and Fred Durst just feeds the crowd. Yep. And Blaustein says there was a crazy mosh pit, and as a young and a hungry reporter, he decides he's he going to take his microphone and go in. He goes and he reports from the mosh pit, which is <laughs> hilarious. And he says the crowd was undulating, which, cha-ching, one of my favorite words. Okay. The crowd was undulating like a giant organism. I'm like, wow, you have a great vocabulary. Okay, so Heather says it was like Fred understood us. And what we were going through. And who's Heather, guys? She's a 14-year-old whose mother let go to a three-day concert. Yeah. She had braces on and everything. If the girl you're trying to sleep with has braces on, there's a problem. Go examine your life choices. So suddenly Kyle from security's like, my dude Chris was at that sound tower out in the middle of the sea. And we see the bros like basically tearing down because... Uh, Fred Durst gets up there and he's just like, let's go motherfucking crazy. Like, let's just burn shit down. Well, he, he he's was playing break stuff, which is one of their songs. Yeah. yeah. And, and, Fred... and don't get me wrong. I hate Fred Durst. I think he's an asshole. I did yes. like Limp Bizkit at the time, but he, what? 
Fred Durst is an asshole. Nobody's going to argue that. But like, this is the fucking negligence of the promoters. Like, yeah. did they think he was going to get up there and sing a lullaby? Like, this is what Limp Biscuit does. Right. Have security. So while Limp Biscuit's up there singing, this tower is in danger. Like, these people are in this sound tower out there. And kids are starting to rip it apart and climb it and tear it down. And so you have this big security issue going on. The promoters are trying to get Fred Durst to calm down the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is their security plan is to get Fred mm-hmm. Durst to calm down the crowd. So now we have Limp Biscuit's manager. Well, first of all, Darth they saw, Vader they blames stop the show. Yes, and uh, Darth Vader flat out blames Fred Durst. Yeah, this is his. He's fault. like Fred Durst is a douchebag. That's what he basically says. He's like he could have helped us, but he fed the crowd. And the manager brings up a really good point. He's like, it's ridiculous to blame Fred Durst for this. What he had to do was put on the best show he could. That's what he's paid for. Right. Because yeah. could you imagine if Fred Durst was like, no, guys, stop it. They, they would have torn the place apart even yes. worse. Yes. So Kyle, security Kyle says, you can't blame Limp Biscuit for being Limp Biscuit. It's like blaming <laughs> no. a bear for being a bear. Yeah, like... <sighs> so Amanda tells us Saturday night was the first time she didn't feel safe. And then we see the rave. Now they're at the rave that night. And AJ, the rave dude, notices suddenly they've commandeered a vehicle. Yeah, there's a vehicle. And there's a van in the middle of the fucking rave. Yeah. He goes over to the van. He opens the door. There is a 15 or 16-year-old girl in the back of the van, unconscious, pants down around her ankles, and a guy pulling his shorts on. Jesus. I, I can't even tell you, like, every fiber of my being want to just throw my tv through a window at this point so aj's like i got her an ambulance like i did what i could but i don't know what became of the guy like it was so crazy we couldn't Mm -hmm. even keep track of these people so then we have um fat boy slim and he's like he ends out the episode and he's like it's hideous to think what was happening while i was trying to make people love one another and he goes my crew was properly rattled and we left (laughs) And that was it. So then we get to Sunday and Willie Nelson is opening Sunday morning. He's singing Amazing Grace over the footage of everybody just laying around destroyed. Everyone's passed out. Heather says it was like a tent city refugee camp. The shower station, Jenny, is so long that people got pissed off and smashed the pipes and it mixed in with runoff from the porta potty. Now they're going to have dysentery, just like the Oregon Trail. Yep. So now we have Joe Patterson, the county health person, and he says they took drinking water samples and everything lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. Like everything was bad. I just don't understand why they waited till Sunday to figure this out. I don't know. People were getting trench mouth. Oh, God. So so they had to shut off the water. So now there's no fucking water. There's no water. Yeah. So people are just leaving because it's fucking hot and yeah. they have no water. Price gouging starts happening. Wa- bottled water is now 12 bucks. So Colin says the only thing that people were staying for was this possibility that there was something big happening after the Chili Peppers closing it out that night. Because supposedly even, there was a rumor. And we even see footage of Darth Vader feeding that rumor. Yes. Yes, we do. Because they're like, oh, who's the closing act? And he goes, well, the chili pepper the chili peppers are the last official act yeah no he's totally feeding that but we're because they want something up they want people to stay the whole time and spend the money yep so sunday afternoon we see jewel 
She plays, but she said the crowd. I love Jewel. I love her. I hate fucking Jewel. I hate her. I love Jewel. I fucking hate Do you Jewel. ever watch her family show? How they're all her. like pioneers in Alaska? I hate her. Wow. Really? I can't believe you like Jewel. Gross. What's wrong with Jewel? She's, I just hate her. Okay. So Jewel's like, I felt unsafe and I left. Now we have a press conference and we have a few of these press conferences throughout this day. There's one in the morning where they're like, no, no, no. It's just a handful of assholes. These knuckleheads. No, no, no. Blah, blah, blah. John Sher literally says. Darth Vader. Darth Vader literally says. Oh, there's, there's no widespread problems. It's a bunch of, it's like 50 kids who are knuckleheads. Like what a boomer thing to say. Like they're not knuckleheads. knuckleheads. They're like, people are going to die. Like they're raping people. They're, they're knocking down towers. Like dude. Well, at this press conference, Michael Lang and Darth Vader are like, everything is awesome. There's only a handful of, of hooligans. And the reporters are like, um, I was there. Yeah. I see it with my yeah. own eyes. These like, gaslighters, man. They're tearing down the walls now. So we see them like turning on the staff and they're tearing down the walls. They're and fucking stuff. delusional, these guys. And the mayor's, the mayor's like, this has been a success. Wow. And he's like, I invite Michael Lang to come back anytime. Wonder oh if he still God. feels that way. No. Okay. Now, Red Hot Chili Peppers come on. Final act. Flea is buck naked the entire time. <laughs> Love him. So everyone's like, okay, like all the staff and stuff are like, let's just get this over with. We yeah, just have to done. get through the chili peppers. Yeah. So Flea does the whole show naked. They're chugging along. Anthony Kiedis is out there, you know, doing his thing. And all of a sudden a call comes across the radio. Michael and Darth Vader want to hand out a hundred thousand candles. No. No. For a candlelight vigil. No, 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 no. And no. Lee and Colin are like, nope, 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 nope. No. <laughs> no. No, like you literally took anything that you could start a fire with off these people for a mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Darth Vader blames it on Michael. He's like, this was his thing, the candlelight vigil. And then I'm wondering, Jen, was this the big surprise they were talking That's about? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, wow. Lee screams into the radio that the fire marshals would not approve this. No. He's correct. He's correct. And Darth Vader basically tells him, shut up and get off the channel. Yep. Okay. They start, chili peppers start under the bridge and the candles are all lit up and it's really beautiful for like 45 seconds. <laughs> right. Then all of a sudden they see a fire and everyone starts freaking out. Finally, Michael is getting involved and he runs, they had a firehouse on site. He runs over the firehouse. Darth Vader's on stage trying to calm the crowd down. Dude. Good luck, Too dude. Late. Too, Too late. Too late. He stops the concert and he's yelling, this is not part of the show. This is a real emergency. Okay. Because there's because there's a giant fire mm-hmm. out in the field. Mm-hmm. Well, when I say field, I mean asphalt. The, f- the fire department refuses to go out there. Like, We're not going out there. Yeah. And it's some little volunteer fire department. Yeah. And Michael says, or Darth Vader says, tell them to go fuck themselves. There's a fire. They have right. to go out there. That's all. I, I don't think they ever do. I mean, they're volunteer local volunteer fire department. Probably it's not like 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 the N- the FDNY or some shit. Yeah. The mayor tells us he chatted with Anthony Kiedis and was like, "Can you help us kind of quell the crowd here? Like, you know, put the kibosh on." Um, Anthony Kiedis is like, "Dude, there's no. nothing I can say. 
Yeah, there's nothing I can do here. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved. And what does he do? He goes out and they play Jimi Hendrix Fire. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jen, a bunch of, a bunch of heavy metal bands aren't listening to the promoters. These are the bands you promoted for a reason. And like, now you're shocked that they're rebels. Now we and have a- while he's singing this, a couple more fires break up, but they're like contained bonfires. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Because yeah. don't forget, earlier they had ripped apart the soundstage, so that's where they got plywood. They got a bunch of wood. Yeah. And from the walls. Yep. <laughs> I feel like it's The Sims. Yeah, I'm proud. <laughs> so security... Oh, so... Red Hot Chili Peppers ends and everybody's okay now. Here's the big surprise. What is it? We're waiting. Nothing. 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 Thanks. Have a good night. Bye. People thought it was going to be Prince or Bob Dylan. Oh my God. Uh, Beavis and Butthead thought um, Guns N' Roses were getting back together. (laughs) I know. So, oh, they did put up a video. Of Jimi oh, Hendrix. Yes. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And people were really mm-hmm. insulted by that. And I don't blame So, them. Security Kyle says, that was the crowd signal to burn the place to the fucking yeah. ground. And that's yeah. what they did. The worst violence and destruction happened when the guy didn't give them what he told them he was going to give them after suffering for three days. That's when they mm-hmm. burned the place down. Mm-hmm. And Security Kyle poignantly points out that Hendrix played while Rome burned. Yep. Literally. Because it was Rome, New York. So MTV's like, we're out of here. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. Yeah. They're done. So now we see this, this, the people are turning into a mob. Like it's yep. become a riot. It's a full blown And it's riot. like tens of thousands of people. It's not five bad, ac- no. 50 bad apples. No. Mm-mm. If it were 50 bad apples, the rest of the crowd could beat the shit out of them and subdue them. Yeah. Yep. This is the crowd. Yeah, this is the crowd. So now they turn their attention to the vendors. Yeah. These vendors were sitting ducks. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they, they gouged them all day, all weekend. Yep. Security is telling production, batten down the hatches, block your doors. Colin and his team run into Vendor Village, where vendors had, he said, between fifty dollars and $60,000 of cash on them. So there's no armored trucks here. They tell nope. the vendors to pull down their tent things and hide. Meanwhile, <laughs> here comes the crowd singing... <laughs> Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me by Rage Against the crowd is chanting Rage Against the Machine. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Uh, Beavis and Butthead are all boned up over this. (laughs) He's like, I started looting. They start to axe into ATMs. Yeah, they grab a bank of ATMs and get into them. Now, they never said whether or not they robbed the vendors. They looted all the shit. Yeah. But they never said whether or not they took the money. Right. I wonder if they were smart enough to realize the money was there. I don't know. Maybe I don't not. Know. So then the crowd starts blowing up semi trucks. Yep. Well, they lit the fires. They lit start blowing up all the trucks that they have mm-hmm. sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, Beavis gets hit by a bully club, and now we see the state troopers are there. Finally, somebody called the fucking cops. <laughs> Jesus. So Colin says Michael walked around the next day. So now, now the the state police have taken care of this. It's gone. Okay. Now it's it's late Sunday night. Michael shows up and he's walking around, and Colin says he didn't even turn to us to ask if we were okay. Wow. Like it just seemed like he didn't give a fuck. Not and Michael right. himself is like. It was disappointing, but hey, you go on. 
you know, you go on. I hate that guy. And then we have footage of Pilar chasing him with the camera going, Michael, Michael. And he says so dismissingly, he dismissively, he goes, Pilar, go away. It's like, okay, dude. Monday morning, Pilar and her mom grab a camera and they go driving around. And this is where they're saying it looks like Beirut. There are cars overturned. 12 semi-trucks exploded. Everything is burned. Trash everywhere. Um, and ironically, they uh, interview a few of the concert goers and they're all like, we'd do it again. We'd yep. do it again. Yep. So then we see the blame game starting. And <laughs> one dude is like, did they do it to drive up merchandising? Michael Lang is at a press conference Monday morning. He basically says he saw a very small group of people lighting fires. And he would not condemn the crowd for the fuck up of a few assholes. Jesus. And he's like, you know, you're always going to have a few anarchists in the crowd. First of all, who uses the word anarchist? He thinks it's an anarchist culture thing. Yeah. What the fuck is he talking about? Blaustein is like, Blaustein is there at the press conference. And he's like, are you kidding me? Anyone who had eyes saw it was thousands of people. It wasn't a few says, people. Then they say it's a lunatic fringe, like a bunch of kids who don't want to grow up. Darth Vader said that. A bunch of kids yeah. who don't want to get real jobs, Jen. Lee says, Lee, who was young, says it was greed that yeah. was the problem. Yep. Well, and there's he, spray paint all over the place that's like, fuck your profits, or like, you're just using, like, it's clear what they're pissed about. And he says the user experience was just thrown out the window. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Then we learned that Pilar received a call from a mother hysterical that her daughter was raped. And Pilar's like visibly upset by this. So now we see like there's news footage saying that there were four reports of rape and that New York police are looking into this. And Michael's like, I didn't hear about any of the rape or sexual assaults on women until the festival. And, you know, we were responsible for everyone there. So we are responsible. But no, 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 no. I was no. Like, no. I was like, oh, my God, is he taking responsibility? No, no, nope. never follow. I'm this is my responsibility with but, but. nope. No. He says, but it happened in secrets, in tents, in private, in the mosh pit even. It happened in secret and also the we had the right amount of rape per capita. This well, isn't a town. This is an event that you had security for. That's Darth Vader. Darth Vader's like, Woodstock was like a small city and there's expected to be a number of rapes. Don't get me wrong. It's wrong and horrible and I would put all those people in jail if I could. Oh my but... God. It wasn't something that gained enough momentum that it caused any on-site issues other than the women it oh, happened to. Oh, my God. Like, what a piece of shit. What Colin is shit. like, that's bullshit. They cheaped out on security yeah. and everyone knew it. Well, and then, like, the lead singer, Corn was calling them irresponsible. Corn <laughs> was calling them irresponsible. Corn's <laughs> like... They were completely unprepared. And he goes, this is, he's like, I love his like outrage about this. He's like, this is completely crazy. Girls should be able to have fun just like guys. Well, and then I think it's Michael Lang who says, I just feel like the kids didn't, they were just here for the music and they didn't embrace the social issues of the day. Yeah. It's like they literally rebelled against your fucking greed and capitalism. Like yes. that's their issue. Yes. You just fucking ignored that. Because yes. you think they should have the same issues that you had. So Ugh. one one of the women says, me too evolved from this kind of behavior. Yes. Did it? Um, I think like the seeds for it, right? Like I think that at this time, 
like the Me Too movement, I think is not quite that old, but they're no. definitely like woke culture started to evolve from this type of shit. Well, and then Heather, one of the the 14 year old who's now a mom says, you know, people complain about woke culture, but this is where consequences of things are good. Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. believe that we just allowed this yeah. culture yep. to exist. Jenny, I was thinking, do you remember, like, guys used to walk around with a shirt that said FBI and it was female body inspector? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. what? Disgusting. Yeah. Um, we end on Michael, who says what you just said, Jenny. The kids were just in a different headspace. They were here for the music, not the message. They were assholes, but you can't vet your ticket buyers. What a fucking dick bag who three doesn't months, get anything. Three months later, Michael Lang died. Um, it does not surprise me in the least that Michael Lang had no idea what was going on. Yeah, no idea. It's no very, idea. it's, it's on brand. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it that way. I will say too, watching the footage of the mob was like, it really bothered me. It affected me. Guys, if you watch this footage, it's just rage. Yeah. rage and i'm of two minds of this because part of me is like i get where they were coming from yeah but the other part of me is like they were a bunch of entitled bros yeah and there was all this toxic masculinity and i don't i don't know i have mixed emotions so that's it that's the end of the documentary so I'm jenny next card have an index card go ahead so i just did a little light research on what happened after so police investigated four rapes and several other sexual assaults i couldn't find any outcomes of that like they would have been private situations so i don't know what ended up happening there were three deaths two were from heat stroke one person david derosia's body temperature was 107 degrees more than an hour after he collapsed his mother filed a lawsuit in New York Supreme Court against the promoters and six doctors that worked at the event. The lawsuit stated that the concert promoters were negligent by not providing enough water and adequate medical care. I don't know whatever became of that. We don't know? I didn't know. I couldn't find anything easily. Don't forget, I didn't have a lot of time to do this because you sprung this on me like at the last minute. While you're 20, I'm going to try to find it. A 28-year-old woman got hit by a car. 44 to, and she died, she was the third death. 42 to 44 people were arrested. 10 state troopers were demoted or suspended, two for posing with naked females, and a prison guard was charged with sodomizing a 15 year old girl. Are you fucking kidding? Me? Nope. I mean, 253 oh people had been treated at area hospitals, between 4,000 and 4,500 treated on site. Although some people think estimates are more like eight to 10,000. The New York Department of Health reported 5,100 medical cases related to the festival. Several lawsuits had been filed against the promoters. So, and the cleanup was hundreds of thousands of dollars. So did they make a profit? I fucking hope they did not make a profit. I hope they did not make a profit. I I don't think they did. They were in litigation probably for years. So just the cost of lawyers alone. Yeah. I'm guys, I was looking to see on that Kate court case if um there's an outcome, but I don't see one. He died during Metallica's performance. That's another thing. They didn't even touch on Metallica being there. I feel like Metallica probably didn't want to be like shown for this. You know how they are. 
Maybe. As of August 2022, the lawsuit still has not been resolved. Jenny, whose fault is this? This is the promoter's fault. A hundred thousand percent. Michael and John are but at do, fault for this, period. Darth Vader and Michael are at fault for this. But yeah. don't you think the crowd bears some, like that toxic masculine bro, don't they? Like they're the yes. ones raping people and shit. They bear oh, some culpability. 100%. All of those people are liable. It was just but a I don't blame. But I don't blame the kids, the ones that rebelled for the right reasons. Like against the way they were being treated, against the capitalism and greed, like the toxic masculinity, that's a whole other issue mm-hmm. that obviously I don't condone or I'm not behind. And um, you, you heard know, it here more- first, guys. Jenny condones toxic masculinity. No, I don't. But like that. Yes. I mean, obviously, the people who committed crimes are at fault. Obviously, that always goes without saying. But for like creating this whole situation was the promoters. And I think there are still large groups of toxic men like this out there. Yeah. And that's terrifying to me as a woman raising two daughters. I mean, that's what people don't. I think that's what a lot of people who are not women don't understand about the toxic, like this toxic masculinity and why, like, it's not locker room talk. It's terrifying to the people who are victims of this sort of thing. Yeah, when I watched that footage, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was like, what What would I do if I were there? And you saw they did show clips of that, like the women being, they were crowd surfing and being just groped and sexually assaulted. Yeah. There were yep. times where men were surrounding women and like making them really uneasy. Yep. And the, the um, production crew were like breaking it up and security was breaking it up. It was the perfect storm and it was, it's such a symbol of the baby boomers thinking they know yep. everything, yep. right? The hubris, the hubris oh behind it is. <sighs> so Jenny, at the end of everything that we watch movie episode, whatever we talk about a why um, it's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why, what is your why for this? My wise, this is why we had to burn it all down. <laughs> and I don't mean Woodstock concert venue. I mean, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter movement. Like, this is why all of this, like, toxic behavior and this, like, just really white male-driven culture, the boomers included in this and also the men who were behaving very badly at the thing. Yeah. Like, this is why movements like this had to happen like this this is the real response to that right like there is a lot of outcry against greed and capitalism and that's a problem too don't get me wrong but i feel like the real backlash to things like this came in those movements like i i don't think something like this could happen today i think because of social media and that's one good thing about social media because that was another thing was that people were getting really mad at the press and how they were not reporting it yes in the way that they felt like it should have been reported and now people just do all their own reporting. Yeah. Um, my why, Jenny, is this is why Gen X women are so tough. Yeah, because we had to deal with this bullshit. But could you imagine being at a concert today and have, seeing people with tons of signs saying, like, take off your shirt and stuff? Like, you just wouldn't. You just wouldn't. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank God. Thank God. Like, if when... that's what woke culture is, then I'm all for it. I'm sorry. I'm all yeah. for it. <laughs> you heard it here first, Jen. Or you heard it here first, guys. Jenny's woke. Um <laughs> 
I just feel like I'm so glad for the world we live in today. And I needed that. Like I needed yeah. that reminder. Yep. Cause shit seems real dark right now sometimes. But when you look back on what we don't put up with anymore, that's a yep. really good thing. And I'm and, happy. And, and 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 to to be fair, like this is not all Gen X men. I know a lot of good Gen X dudes yes. that are not like this. Yes. This is my not husband all of them. is one of them. Yeah, this is not all of them. <laughs> Right. But, and, and to be fair too. But it's a lot of them and it's a lot of, you know, it's enough of them. And it's because it was all part of that culture. And I'm sure some of them have changed. God, I hope so. Like, well, what I was going to say, what I was going to say is a lot of when, when men are young men, they, you know, they are product of the culture they're raised in. It's not always their fault that they are like, rah, 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 you know, and many of them outgrow that. Well, and not only was there all this rage at the time in the music and the culture, but men were also still taught to never express emotion. That's right? what I'm saying. Like men. Yeah. Except men, anger. That was the yeah. only acceptable expression to or emotion to express. Men going to therapy was like still not even talked about, not right. even considered. So like. We can't say that a bunch of a whole generation of teenage boys woke up and made this choice, right? Right. They're yeah. a product of their culture and their environment. Well, and, and hopefully they've grown and changed. Yeah. And like, you know, toxic masculinity is not just bad for women. It's bad for men. It's too. bad for men. Mm-hmm. The more you know. All right, Jenny. Um, so overall, did you like this? It was interesting because I really didn't know a lot about it. Me either. And I, I feel crazy. like it's such a clear example of a culture clash, of a generational clash. Yes, it really right? is. Right? Like the hubris of Darth Vader and Michael versus the reality on the ground. Yep. Really they were just crazy. gaslighting themselves, I think. I don't even know. <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. All right, guys, if you haven't already, check out our Patreon. We have a premium service for $5 a month. You get two bonus episodes. Currently, this is August of 2022. We're doing Rock of Love, speaking of toxic masculinity. (laughs) Well, seriously. I mean, those guys were the forefront of it. Yep. And my so-called life. So we're doing that. We've done a bunch of blockbusters, a bunch of after-school specials, some Golden Girls episodes. So check out, you know, once you pay your five bucks, you have access to all of that. So go ahead and check that out. We do my, uh, no, not my little pony. Jesus, I wish we were doing my little little pony. Wow. (laughs) We do Little House on the Prairie weekly. So check out our main feed for that. And we throw in some surprises sometimes. So, all right, Jenny, um, anything else? No. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> oh, I loved that song. And I loved that band. Like you can still I like the spirit too. of all that and not not be, you know, like a rapist. Yeah, Willie Nelson next to them. Okay. Alright guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.